Good morning again. I hope you're having a restful and productive Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. This quote taken from this morning's reading from 1 Samuel could easily characterize our present day as much as it did Samuel's time some 3,000 years ago. It does seem like we've lost the connection that some of our forebearers appeared to have with the divine. And this weekend, when we celebrate the remarkable life of Martin Luther King Jr., it reminds us that in many of our own lifetimes, it seems that moral giants loomed large. JFK, Reverend King, Betty Frieden, the early Stonewall resistance, they and others set the moral tone for a divided nation and helped it heal. The events in Washington, D.C. a week and a half ago serve as stark reminders of what we've become. Petulant, self-obsessed rioters quick to desecrate the center of our government, wrapped up in a web of deceit and the big lie. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Now, more than most times, we could use a word from the Lord. We could use some divine visions to enlighten the path ahead. And this week's readings, when taken together, I think serve as a timely reminder of the close relationship that God always keeps with us and what we are called to do as a result of that. Essential part, an essential part of being human is the need to be seen, to be truly seen for all the complexities and contradictions that we are. This week we're reminded that God sees us, no matter how rare the word of the Lord seems these days. The first reading, first Samuel reading, is, is remarkable for its wonderful detail of God's call. Young Samuel does not yet know the Lord, we're told. The future prophet, and keep in mind, this is the kingmaker of Saul, and, and then the great King David, has not yet had God revealed to him. A voice startles him, Samuel, Samuel. He goes to his mentor, Eli, who dismisses him. Go, lie down. This happens two more times until after the third time, Eli understands what's going on here. He instructs Samuel that the next time he hears the voice to respond, speak, for your servant is listening. He's told something so remarkable that it will make the ears of anyone who hears it tingle. And I love that little sensual detail. The ears will tingle. I've reacted to the news lately in many ways, but ear tingling is not among them. I hope the future brings some ear tingling moments. A new way of being is about to be inaugurated, and Samuel will lead the charge. First, though, the old leadership must be removed and judged for their misdeeds. Eli has let his son steal from the temple sacrifice, and he pretended not to notice. The whole family must be judged and dismissed. Eli doesn't shy from the truth, though. He insists that Samuel reveal what he has learned. On the edge of exile, he's open to the truth and to judgment. Even at a time when the word of the Lord is rare and visions few, God appears and keeps appearing to Samuel. And Samuel's response is to listen and to act. If God were speaking to you today, how might you hear him? Would it be another voice in the cacophony of diversions and interruptions that make up our days? Would you be able to hear God's voice? 
And today's psalm, number 139, is another reminder of the intense closeness, the intimacy that God has with us. It opens, Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. My sitting down and my rising up, you know everything. This is an incredibly close by God. A God who presses upon me behind and before and, and lays his hand upon me. This line calls back to the revelation of God's glory that was given to Moses in Mount Sinai that we know about from Exodus. And the psalmist responds to this intimacy not with fear, but with trust. Not with guilt, but praise. The intimate God reveals not judgment, but grace. I will thank you because I am marvelously made. Your works are wonderful, and I know it well. The psalm reminds us of God's constant presence and deep knowing. We are called to trust and to praise him in response. Trust and praise, like what we're doing here this morning. And finally, today's gospel reading reveals something about our own deep truths when we encounter God. While we'll be in Mark's gospel most of this epiphany, this week we're in the gospel of John. Jesus is beginning to assemble his disciples, and, and he finds Philip and Nathanael. Now, Philip, who will later encounter the eunuch reading Isaiah in the book of Acts, is right now in Galilee. We're told nothing more than that Jesus calls him, and he follows. No questions asked. In fact, he becomes Jesus' first evangelist, running to Nathanael and claiming he had found him, about whom Moses and the prophets wrote. It's a bold claim for a new follower. Now, Nathaniel, in his only appearance in all of Scripture, responds, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a strange response, although it is true that Nazareth is never once mentioned in the Old Testament. So technically, Nathaniel has reasons to be doubtful. As listeners of John, though, we're in on the joke, since we learned of Jesus' true nature earlier in this chapter, in the prologue, which opened with, In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Nathaniel's cheap attempt to discredit Jesus only set him up for an even greater epiphany. When Jesus claims he saw him under a fig tree, Nathaniel suddenly exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. It's a mighty reversal based on the simple claim of recognition. I saw you under the fig tree. Like so much in John's gospel, the actual events are less significant than their symbolic resonance. Philip and Nathaniel become followers because they are seen by Jesus. And in that act of seeing, something awakens deeply true within themselves. Jesus revealed their own truth, which was buried deep inside. See, they don't need signs or other evidence. Those come later in John. Theirs is not a call to mission but instead an invitation to epiphany. 20th century theologian Karl Barth calls this, quote, the attractive power of a pre-existing bond established by God's incarnation as Christ. The attractive power of a pre-existing bond. It was already there, and it was suddenly inflamed. Seeing God in Jesus awakens in them God's deep intimacy. He knows us in the womb, we're told in the psalm. Seeing and hearing the Christ triggers that memory, that knowing. And the only thing they can do is follow. When we follow Christ, 
we reawaken ourselves to the existential truth of God's nearness, of God's essential intimacy with us. While it may seem like the word of the Lord is rare and visions are not widespread these days, we only need to remind ourselves of God's closeness, God's intimacy buried deep within our souls, and realize the word of the Lord is abundant, and God's vision for the kingdom is always breaking in. We just need, like Samuel, to listen. Like the psalmist, we need to trust, to praise, to not be afraid. And like Philip and Nathaniel, we need to follow. As a preacher, it's dangerous to listen to a great orator like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as you prepare for a sermon. No matter how well-crafted the sermon is, I'll never reach the oratorial heights of Dr. King. It's just not going to happen. Sorry. I did make the mistake of listening to his I Have a Dream speech slash sermon from August 1963. Just mentioning it emphasizes my own inadequacy by comparison, I know. And I was, learned to, I was stunned to learn that the more famous part of the speech, the I Have a Dream call and response, was an improvisation triggered by Mahalia Jackson's call to, quote, tell them about the dream, Martin, end quote. He spends the final minutes of his speech improvising about his dream. He was making it up. I've made the mistake of trying to recite King's words in a sermon, and no matter how hard I try, they just don't carry the same weight. I encourage you, though, to give the speech a listen to this weekend as we recognize Dr. King's towering legacy. And as you listen, consider this. While it may seem that we are in a time when the word of the Lord is rare, might it be possible that Dr. King, in those improvised lines preached to the 250-some thousand listeners on that August day, might it be possible that he could have been listening to and repeating the word of the Lord through those improvised lines? Could it be possible that Dr. King's faith was so great and his mission so powerful that God spoke directly through him Imagine what could be unleashed if we believed and trusted as deeply in the intimacy of God as much as Dr. King did. Dr. King saw his true essence in the risen Christ just as Nathaniel and Phillips, Philip saw theirs in the God-made man Jesus, and he spoke that essence to his listeners. And he speaks to us still through the dream he improvised on the steps of the Capitol Mall just under 60 years ago. His dream lives on, calling us to make true our, on our country's creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. We owe it to him, and we owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to our nation, and we owe it to each other above all. To close, let us pray a prayer in remembrance of Dr. King and his dreams. Holy God, Today we remember Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s struggle for equality, justice, and dignity for African Americans that inspired so many other reform movements that seek to highlight the plight of the oppressed in society. We pray that all those in civil and religious authority be reminded that we have all been created in your image and that there is an intrinsic dignity in each of us that calls for uplifting every man and woman, young and old. We pray that your Holy Spirit remind us all that you show no partiality with regards to nationality, race, ethnicity, or gender, 
And to do so is to go against your great commandment of love toward one another. We pray that the church will not be complicit of injustice by being silent, but that it can rise up with a prophetic voice that speaks truth to power and advances the values of your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of our blessed Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen.